2: start it up. That's your Wednesday on b and You up and at them and uh, into your midweek. Coach's Corner this hour. We'll dive back into the Longhorn conversation. We know there were 13 early enrollees, either freshman or portal players who participated in the spring and in the spring workouts and the spring game for the Longhorns. There are also uh, more coming. We'll get you a reminder of who will be added to the roster come the summer. And here's a uh, text that's on point from our man, Viking Fence. Jimmy says, uh, guys, this is exactly what we need on a team that's perpetually mediocre. Expectations. Why don't we just consider them mediocre until they show otherwise? Well, they are. They are what they are until they uh, prove otherwise. They were 8-5 last year. But, uh, you know, there's a reason they put out preseason polls and we talk about football teams. There's a, yeah. there's a lot to like about this unit, and uh, but they've proven nothing. That's absolutely true. They've not done anything.
1: Yeah, there's a there's to me there's a lot to like about this offense for sure. Well, and I even think, without Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson, I just think it'll be more pass-oriented, quicker quicker release patterns for, for, this, for, these, like the for all Steve's, these quarterbacks.
2: Well, and that's where when you hear Sark say it looks like my team that you know this is the kind of team Steve Sarkisian wants. He wants a lot of weapons. He doesn't mm-hmm. want one or two weapons. He wants a multiple guys who can beat you to create mismatches. And then that's why I said
1: it'll be on him if they can't get it done. Yeah, make
2: it quarterback friendly that way, as he had at Alabama. And then, you know, defense. I mean, P. Kwiatkowski was under the microscope last week, last year, for, you know, what they didn't do in year one, and it was a lot better. And uh, that's where you feel like with the additions, if they can keep pushing forward, uh, defense can be improved. And that's, you know, that's that's where it sits. But to, to Viking fans, Jimmy's accurate point, they're mediocre until proven otherwise. But for sure. The expectations. I don't think it's wrong to have expectations, though. That's one thing I would no. say about Sark. I don't have a problem with him embracing it. Saying no, we, we, we. I'd rather hear
1: that than I don't. I'm not quite sure yeah, I don't where we are. Sh- no, I in, think in this year, going. I don't know where we really stand. That would that, you wouldn't want to hear that.
2: I wouldn't want to run from it. I mean, if you feel no. like your team can, you know, beat everybody on your schedule, then go show it. This is what you do. And if you do win it, especially in your own conference, you're yeah, going to be Yeah, why not the, win them all? Why not? You know? There, there's no reason this Texas team can't be the best team in the Big 12 Conference. You can say what you want about the Alabama game week, too. I mean, the other, talker
1: continue to talk about TCU, how they came out of nowhere? But this team, this particular team right here?
2: Yeah. Well, that's right. And again, it's 136 days until they have to prove that and be, can show anybody what they are. But at the same time, there's no reason to back down from that. There's no, no reason to not embrace that, hey, we're outside of Alabama— who they play on the road week two? They're more talented than everybody on that schedule, but talent doesn't win football games. Um, you know, putting on the putting in the dirt does, and that's what they've got to prove. All right, we're also we're also talking NFL draft in eight days from today. Uh, get you the very latest there, and at the bottom of the hour, we're going to learn some. You know, our our tour of Texas golf is uh, at Onion Creek this month, and we're excited about that. We'll lo- let you learn uh, why this is an important week, an anniversary, forty five years ago. Uh, for the uh, golf course that we're highlighting this week and this month at hornfm.com, and that would be the uh, beautiful Onion Creek Club. We'll learn the history of the legends of golf again with our buddy Charlie Wilson. He'll jump on, and uh, he was a caddy buck back in the day. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, caddy. When NBC, I think it was NBC that broadcast the legends of golf out at uh, beautiful Onion Creek. So we'll get some details on that coming up. Ty will have some hot or not topics, but first let's get to the headlines, get you caught up on the news of a busy Wednesday morning. UBO Business Services brings it to you. Headlines from the NBA. We'll start with uh, breaking news that came down late last night. The league has suspended Golden State Warriors forward Draymond Green for one game. Game three of their series with Sacramento following his flagrant two foul against King center DeMontis Sabonis during the fourth quarter of game two. Green was ejected for stomping on Sabonis' chest after the Kings forward fell to the ground and then wrapped his arms around Green's ankle. Joe Dumars, the league's vice president of basketball operations, said the decision was based in part on Green's history of unsportsmanlike acts. So he's out with his team already in an 0-2 hole. Uh, Round one action last night, there were a trio of home teams dominating game twos last night. Phoenix Suns, even their first-round series with the Clippers at a game each, 123-109. Devin Booker led the Suns with 38. Kevin Durant had 25. Cleveland Cavaliers, even their series with the Knicks at a game each, 107-90. Darius Garland had 26 of his, 32 in the first half. And Boston, in command of their series with Atlanta, they took a 2-0 series lead, 119-106. They are the two-seed, of course. In the East, there are three NBA games on tonight. slate, including the LA Lakers in Memphis, already up one game to none. Heater and Milwaukee up a game to one game to none over the one seed. Meanwhile, the uh, Denver Nuggets will host Minnesota tonight. Baseball last night, Red Hot Texas Rangers routed the Royals 12 to 2. They're off to an 11 and 6 start for Bruce Bochy. That equals the club's best 17 game start since 2013, 10 years ago. Marcus Simeon, Adolis Garcia, both homer, drove in three. look to sweep that series this afternoon in Kansas City. Martin Perez on the Hill. Great night for the uh, Rangers Triple club as well. The Round Rock Express pounded lumps into Sacramento last night 17 to 4, opening that series out west. Lost to Toronto 4-2 at Minute Maid Park. College baseball last night, big win in San Antonio. Texas State, the Bobcats went on the road, went to UTSA, and grabbed a 5-3 win over the 25th-ranked Roadrunners. Bobcats now 25-13 on the year. Uh, Longhorns, 14th-ranked in the country. They host their midweek matchup tonight. They're going to ho- open a five-game homestand welcoming welcoming Abilene Christian to UFCU Dish Field. ACU comes in at 24-11 on the year. No slouch. Texas 26-12, first pitch set for Tonight, Kobe Minchie, the right-hander, expected to get the start. And as we mentioned, history in baseball last night. L.A. Dodgers left-hander Clayton Kershaw delivered a vintage performance for his 200th career win. The Dallas native tossed seven innings, of three-hit ball. The Dodgers passed the Mets 5-0. 35-year-old joins Hall of Famers Don Sutton and Don Drysdale as the only three Dodger pitchers to 200 victories.
0: This segment brought to you by UBO Business Services. Great people, great service, endless possibilities. That's UBO Business Services. Visit them at ubeo.com.
2: Okay, so uh, a lot of conversations uh, with uh, Clayton Kershaw, historic. Draymond Green, should he be suspended? I was reading this story from Chris Mannix of Sports Illustrated, who said it was an outrageous overreaction by the league. Outrageous overreaction. I don't know about that. When I first, on first watch, I thought, eh, that's probably a suspension, especially for that player, based on precedent and history. And we've been here before, oh, yeah. Draymond.
1: Yeah, they brought you into the principal's office a, a number of occasions. They're not going to let you get away. They're not going to let you get away with this one. So
2: He's the one who
1: should have fallen down, as I said, and he's the one who should be grabbing his ankles screaming. Well, that's
2: right. I mean, that's if you're Draymond Green and you know that DeMontis Sabonis He's
1: done that before. he's
2: done that to you. Then to just just fall to the ground, and get him kicked out of the game, and potentially suspended for the uh, the next game. Get it? Get he gets the flagrant right. too. And you get the advantage. Instead, you stomp on him and uh, you know do the Super Mario Donkey Kong thing on wow. top of him. Uh, that's not going to be good. By the way, Giannis to Kumpo doubtful for tonight's game too. The Bucks are already down oh one to Jimmy Buck, Jimmy Butler in the Heat, and uh, Giannis with that backboard. Yeah, bruise. that
1: tells me that's more into that.
2: They'll be fine. Also, John ja Morant uncertain tonight when they play the Lakers. He's got that hand injury. That was a shooting hand issue. So even if he plays, that could be uh, problematic for them. Ty, Ty, do you think it was outrageous as an overreaction to suspend Draymond? No. I mean, Dumar said it best. I mean,
0: it, he has a history of this, and that played into the the fact that he was suspended.
2: It did. I mean, again, you can't be a repeat offender, and we, we've been here before. I do find it great that Joe Dumars is the top cop. That's the best. I mean, gr- growing up, and I know you—you're oh, too goodness. young, Ty. To, you don't remember the bad boys, man. You have probably seen it in the Michael Jordan documentary. I've seen the documentaries, yeah. Those dudes were thugs, man. That thing. And he was one of the bad boys too. He was the country boy of the bunch, right? Oh, Dumars. Oh yeah, yeah. from McNeese State. Um, the microwave. Uh, Vinnie Johnson was the microwave off the oh, bench. Yeah. Joe Dumars and uh, Isaiah Thomas formed that great backcourt. And then they just had the bruisers, um, Bill beer, Rick Mahorn. I mean, those dudes.
1: And then it was little Isaiah. And Thomas. I didn't mind that basketball back then. It was you come down the lane, you're going to pay a price from coming serious. down the lane in the playoffs. During the regular season, it was just nasty.
2: Well, little Isaiah Thomas, he used to start the fights, and then of he'd course. go hide behind like Bill, Bill Beer. He'd like he'd like get it going, and then he'd get behind the big dudes. Dennis Rodman was on those teams early. I mean, it was Draymond would fit in. Draymond could because he's from. From Michigan, right? He, he'd fit in in that uh, era of basketball. By the way, in
1: that era of basketball, that deal yes, the other day would have just moved. We'll really uh-huh. just we'll just move along. By the way, the officials were going on to the big guy on the ground. Hey, will you get up and let's go?
2: Yeah, that probably wouldn't even been a common foul. I know, right? Right. Well, I mean, gosh, remember? I, I remember growing up in Houston and Akeem Olajuwon. Akeem when he was young, before he found his faith, he had a real bad temper. Akeem used to get in fights all the time. Yeah, he had a couple clothesline
1: deals where he got oh. guys coming through the lane.
2: Well, he used to. He just had a quick temper, and he'd be Akeem would get in fights all the time. Um, gosh, he would. And fights meaning he would just haul off and sock a dude. You know what I mean? It's just he, you know, he got that under control as he, you know, got himself under control. But uh, and it's a it's a different different animal. But as as far as the current climate, Draymond Green had to know better, and he's cost his team now. And as Ty said off the top. You know, his team is starting to look at him crooked, saying, Come on, man. I mean, really? We, we get it, but uh, this is ridiculous. Uh, this is hurting our ball club and our chances to go back to back.
1: Yeah, we're struggling as it is against this
2: young group. Absolutely. Let's dive into your coach's corner on this Wednesday morning. It's brought to you by Audiovisual Consultations. That's avconsultations.com online.
0: Audiovisual Consultations and Tom McKay, the really smart guys who never make you feel stupid.
2: All right. This says, uh, "What is Steve Sarkeesian supposed to say after a 13 and 12 record?" Oh yeah. Well, look, I, there. Are, look, we can all sit and look back at the first and the second year and say there were reasons why they went five and seven and eight and five. And Steve Sarkeesian has to own his part of that. But it was. It's a completely rebuilt roster. Clearly, Steve Sarkeesian, when he says, "Now I like my team," looks like the team I my team. When he got here, it didn't look like his team, so he had to go about rebuilding the roster. Uh, and that led, I think, in a large measure, to five and seven. But look, the, you can focus on the negatives, which is fine. That's the reality of the situation. They're thirteen and twelve in two years. They haven't won a bowl game yet. Or you, but you can also look at the the positive side, which is the talent acquisition, the coaching continuity,
1: right? The I mean, gosh, look. I'll be on the negative when they lose games. They're not supposed to be losing. Correct. And that's and to me, oh, there's a, there's not shouldn't be very many in this conference.
2: And last year, they lost two games that they shouldn't have lost. They shouldn't have lost the Tech game when they were up 10 points in the second half. No, they shouldn't they have. They shouldn't have lost the Oklahoma State game nope. when they were up 31-17 to in Stillwater on a windy day against a, an injured quarterback. Remember, Spencer Sanders didn't play again much after that game against Texas. Those two games were giveaway games, and you can completely put them at the feet of Sark, in my opinion, uh, for A, in the Oklahoma State game, not changing out the quarterback, at least trying to see if Hudson Card you know, could, could navigate the offense, and obviously not just riding your best two players. Because after that Oklahoma State game, Sark began to just, you know what, we're just going to run the ball. I mean, the thing about the Baylor game. Yeah, where we're not going to have
1: this quarterback who who's, has not been consistent enough be the guy who loses the game. We're just going to turn around and hand the ball off.
2: And that's Stark stubbornness. He wants a balanced offense. He wants the complete package. And there's just going to be some games where that's not there. <laughs> there's just not. And you got to ride what's what's working. And in those games, he did not. And uh, the defense, you know, gosh, go back to that Texas Tech game with Joey McGuire. All the fourth down conversions. It seemed like every bounce went against the Longhorns, and that's a the game they let get away, uh, both on the road. And remember this, Buck, if they win one of those two, they'd have been playing in the Big 12 championship right. game at 9-3. and three. And obviously that's a major if, and it didn't happen. But there, but there were a lot of things to look at last year going into this year that can lead you to be positive and, and optimistic about what it can be. I mean, just thinking in the short time that that staff and Sark have been here, They've recruited three quarterbacks better than any coach in the last 15 years has recruited at the University of Texas. Three of them. Adding Quinn Ewers through the portal, Malik Murphy, and now Arch Manning. It's been 15 years since Texas recruited one quarterback that good. They've got three of them. That's, again, reason to be optimistic. Uh, offensive line has been completely rebuilt. Uh, weapons on the outside completely rebuilt. Uh, the running back room needs to replace two great players, but there are candidates to do so. The defense showed great improvement in year t- two over year one, and they've added pieces to that. Again, there's the reality of it, what they coach are. Coach up, Coach. And there's also reasons for optimism. I think both storylines can be absolutely Coach him up, straight. Coach,
1: because when you leave this conference, you need to leave with a championship because when you ro- roll over into that next conference, it is going to be a nightmare. Well, it's going to be a ahead. nightmare. It, to me, it's, it'll, it'll be a nightmare no matter what. Just the Just the adjustment to, he's done it before, but these players haven't been in that kind of situation before.
2: Well, uh, look, I think... You're right, but they don't have to play in that conference this year.
1: Well, this I'm, year, I'm just saying you've got to get it done this year in order to feel yeah. very good about it. You want to feel great going into that conference the following year, and no better way than this year with this group right, to leave the
2: conference with a championship. That's absolutely. right. I mean, but again, they haven't won many championships in the Big Twelve at Texas, and no coach has, and that's that's the challenge. But again, I don't, I don't, I'm not big on on throwing water on the idea of being confident and, and optimistic about this team. It is absolutely true that they've got to. They've got to show it, and they're mediocre until proven otherwise. But there's a lot to like, and that you know we, we launched this conversation with that football power index from ESPN. That's just a computer model. I mean, it's twenty thousand simulations of the team, but it's a talented team. Uh, it's and you you for for the criticism you can heap on the coach, you can certainly also heap credit credit on the roster he's built along with his staff. The the ability to add this quality of athlete and player. Pretty impressive,
1: yeah, and when that part of it comes with the wins, I'll be able to feel that way about how the coach is coaching how they're doing and everything else i mean if they if they don't get to a championship or win the championship to me they're still bringing in guys that aren't you know you can say we're all together, we believe in one another, but until you win those games and you show how much you really you know what I'm saying you you do with two minutes to go in a game and three minutes to go in a game, but yeah, we are together we are not only are we together mentally and and what the coaches are teaching us. But we're we're better than the group that we're playing against. We're bet we're bad. We're just better.
2: Yeah, I think they are more talented. Everybody on the roster, but right. Alabama. But you know that's my opinion. I think I can back it up with fact. But at the same time, you got to go win the game on the field, and that starts in uh, with Rice on September second. But I think there is good reason for optimism. No I, doubt, I, I'm a big believer in stacking recruiting classes. I think everybody oh, is for sure big believer in coaching staff continuity, which Texas has right now. These players, well, have talked about having the same message for three consecutive off seasons now. That's something we didn't have in this program for a long time in Texas. They just did not. They were, you know, not just changing out coaches every three, four years. They were changing out coordinators and position coaches. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian's made two coaching position moves, right, at two positions: running back, because Stan Drayton took the Temple job. Had, and they hired Tashard Choice, who everybody thinks was a home run hire.
1: Sure, even better.
2: And then he hired Brendan Marion, at receiver last year, who went on to to take a, become an offensive coordinator. And they've hired Chris Jackson out of the NFL, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. That seems like a really good hire early. So, but everybody on the defensive staff continuity, Kyle Flood, a continuity, AJ Milwe with the quarterbacks continuity. These are good things, in my opinion, for a, for a for a football program who has added a lot of talent. Um, through the portal and through recruiting. By the way, speaking of that talent buck, you know that there were you know early enrollees that were here, 13 of them, either through the portal or through high school football. We saw Anthony Hill Jr. and John Tay Cook caught a touchdown pass. Cedric Baxter Jr. Jr. scored a touchdown. Uh, Arch Manning, of course. Leona LaFowle, Sadir Mitchell, A.D. Mitchell, and Gavin Holmes were tr- transfer portal players who came in in the, in the winter, so they got to participate. But we know there are players coming in this summer, right? Uh, th- this roster will add... More pieces, uh, including who we told you about yesterday, the defensive lineman from Minnesota, Trill Carter, uh, who's a three-year player and uh, honorable mention all Big Ten player last year at Minnesota. He's coming in to join this defensive line. Also, a guy who didn't participate in the spring is the the punter and the kicker from Stanford, Ryan Sanborn. Uh, He needs to finish up his stuff at Stanford, but he's already picked Texas. He'll be here. If there's one place where you can say there's a walk-in starter, it's Ryan Sanborn. He's going to be the punter. Um, he was a four-year punter at, uh, at at Stanford, averaged over 41 yards for his career, more than 40 punts. He's also done kickoffs and kicks. So Texas adding that piece to their specialty teams. And then from the high school, you know, uh, spot buck uh, Derek Williams, remember him, out of the state of Louisiana, five-star safety coming in from New Iberia, Louisiana. He will. He was not an early enrollee, so he'll be here come summer. There's a kid named Ryan Niblet, uh, wide receiver from Texas Eisenhower. High four-star player, super uh, speedy and quick receiver. They'll add Jelani McDonald, an athlete out of Waco. Uh, they're going to add uh, Samaje Burrell, another one of those linebackers that's coming in. He's out of uh, North Crowley, up in the Metroplex area. Trey Wisner, another one of those DeSoto kids, right? Uh, your guy, Claude Mathis at DeSoto. Mm-hmm. you got Jontae Cook, Byron Murphy, and here comes Trey Wisner. Uh, he'll be coming in this summer. There's kid Billy Walton. Uh, Will Randall, remember him, the tight end, end. Uh, that played with uh, Arch? Mm-hmm. At uh, Isidore Newman High. So, again, they're going to add those pieces to what they have. And, uh, you know, again, this will be the deepest and most talented Texas team in in more than a decade. We talked to Fozzie Whitaker about it yesterday. We talked to Quan Cosby.
1: It definitely will not be about the talk. It will be about the results. Without a doubt. That's what it will be about this season. But we talk for a job. I mean, oh, no, we have to talk. (laughs) That's what we do. We have to talk. But it, from 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 that perspective on the forty acres, it can't be about the talk. It has to be about the results, because they can tell you how they feel about each other and everything else. Well, on Saturday at the end of the game, I'll know how you feel about each other at the end of the games. I now I'm saying win them all, but there's going to be some some weekends that somebody is you're somebody's going to make a mistake or somebody else is going to make a mistake that you may not win them all. But you need to be in this championship game. Yeah, I think that's the the absolute. I do too. That that is that's it for me. Win the championship game.
2: And to the point of the the football power index. If you missed that from the six o'clock hour, if Texas loses, let's say they don't they don't beat Alabama, right? That they're going to be an underdog, maybe a double digit underdog sure. on the road at Alabama. Alabama is replacing their quarterback and their coordinators on and both sides of the, and the, and the ball, and they've done it before. Sure, they've been they're Nick Saban's been it. through this, and it's a home game for them. And they're up there, number two in the football power <laughs> index, uh, coming in uh, at ESPN. So, but okay, go on the road, have a good showing in at, at Tuscaloosa. You'll be favored in every other game. Yes, and if you win your conference, you're going to be in the conversation at the end of the year. If your only loss is to Alabama, you will be in that conversation we're talking sure. about. So when people scoff and say, "Look at ESPN," they've got them. The computers have them up in the top five. Well, Texas will be there if they reach the ceiling. This team should be able to or has the ability to reach uh that will be there because there are no other big 12 teams that are in this conversation right now. Oklahoma expects to be better, but from a 6-win team, kind of like Texas, if they get to 8 wins next year, that would be a 3-4 game and you know 3 game improvement, that that would be a good thing for them. Uh for 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 Brett Vendels. They even get to 9 wins, but that's not going to put them in the big picture conversation. No. Um you know, Texas is the team with the highest ceiling in the Big 12. Um, I think the deepest roster in the Big 12. And they don't—they don't have to play in the SEC yet. Meaning, because look at look at the FPI. Texas, you I mean Georgia, LSU, and Alabama are all in the top five. Well, you don't have to play in that conference just yet. No, you don't. You have an opportunity to get there unabated to where you want to get. USC has that opportunity too, because USC is playing in the Pac-12. Who's going to challenge USC? Even though USC doesn't have a defense, if USC runs the table, Buck, they're going to play in that Final Four.
1: They'll get tested by Oregon State and Oregon. That's a, thats about it.
2: Yeah. And I don't think they they play Notre Dame.
1: Oh yeah, last game probably.
2: So uh, that's that's the luxury that USC and Texas would have if they reach there because you know obviously USC is coming back with Caleb Williams and the Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback and a ton of weapons and uh, what they think will be an improved defense. That's going to be the problem. But Lincoln Riley, both in the Big Twelve, and, and that's it,
1: just talk too for for them out there.
2: Well, Lincoln Riley has shown. Here and at USC, he can, he can just outscore you if he needs to. He doesn't really need a defense. Now, the defense came back to bite him late because he couldn't beat Utah because they were more physical and they were able mm-hmm. to slow down their offense and then pound them on the ground, you know, physically on the offensive side of the ball against that defense. And then, you know, USC always has to remember they lost to Tulane, a very good Tulane team with Willie Fritz in the Cotton Bowl. To end their season, so they're also up there in the top six or
1: seven. Yeah, but like I said, we, I'm not spending. My, I don't want to be spending time talking to knocking this football team in the spring. I'm looking at things that look real positive for this for this group. And I thought last year, if they just would have got their their passing game together, okay. uh, that, and the, that would have right, helped a whole lot. Right, the number just one the basic stuff,
2: and that's going to come down to the quarterback play because the weapons are there. I mean, they stay healthy outside. They've got. As good a receiving core and weaponry as anybody in the country. Any of the teams we're talking about, Ohio State can rival with Mar- Marvin Harrison Jr. and the, the mm-hmm. receiving core there, but you know, who's knowing, throwing it right? Well, they've got to break in a new quarterback, which Texas found out last year can be, can be frustrating uh, at times, but uh, yeah, Texas has the weapons, and uh, so yeah, I think there's reasons for positivity, but absolutely, the, uh, the last 12 years give you pause. And, oh, we should. We come back. We will uh, dive back into these conversations. Also going to shine a spotlight on our tour of Central Texas golf courses, our, our spotlighted course, Onion Creek, this week, or this month, I should say. And uh, there's a very special anniversary that uh, we're right at here in mid-April. We'll let you know what that is here coming up. Also, Ty will lead us through some hot or not topics, talking Texas football, the NBA's playoffs, and the rest of it on a busy Wednesday on 104.9, 101.9 a.m. 1260. Appreciate you streaming, as always, on the Horn app, on your smart speaker, and at hornfm.com. It's Bucky and Aaron. b with you. It is a lot of football chatter. NFL draft in eight days. Of course, Longhorns coming off the spring and ranked fifth in ESPN's newly released Football Power Index for the upcoming season. We'll dive back into that. Also, TY will have our Hot or Not topics before the top of the hour. Things we've missed halfway through this show. But if you've been following along, Buck, back in October we began with our friends at Callahan's General Store, the golf tour, the tour of Central Texas golf. Because uh, you know golf is so popular right now, you can't get a tee time most places unless you are you, Buck. You are America's guest.
1: There you go. <laughs> uh,
2: but tee times are hard to come by. Anybody that plays golf, because you know the pandemic impacted a lot of uh, industries in a negative way, but the pandemic helped golf a lot. People could still get outside and play golf. And man, everything blew up. Uh, the golf industry is a, a, at an all-time high. So we thought it'd be a good idea to, uh, since you know, golf courses aren't having a hard time getting tee times, we thought, well, let's get golf courses involved in telling the story of Austin golf. And, of course, we had the UT club to start it, Longhorns and all the success on the golf course and the national championship last year. We hit uh, Lions Municipal, which is historic in Austin, uh, west of, uh, of downtown. Uh, we hit Morse Williams Buck. We hit uh, Slick Rock out at Horseshoe Bay. ACC. ACC, Austin Country Club, the beautiful Austin Country Club. told that story through the, uh, the Dell match play. Uh, but in the month of April, we had always pegged Onion Creek Club in South Austin to be the course because Onion Creek is arguably Austin's most historic golf club. It was founded in 1974 by the three-time Masters champion, Jimmy DeMeritt, um, and also Austin native Jimmy Connolly brought that course online. Uh, Jimmy DeMeritt is quoted as saying, Nature put it here. All we did was manicure it. Uh, but that course came online, Buck, in 1974, and then four years later, not just a huge thing for the city of Austin for golf, but for the golf in general, when the Legends of Golf came to Austin, which is now what we know as the Champions Tour. It's where it all began in 1978. Mm-hmm. There was nothing like it in the late 70s. And to uh, talk more about it, I was like, well, who are we going to get on to talk about this? Most of the folks who were a part of that have either moved on or passed on. And uh, how are we going to talk about it? Well, look who it is. This is our friend Charlie Wilson from Callahan's General Store, running the show there. But he was a young ch- uh, youngster at Onion Creek living in onion Creek when uh, when this all started in 1978 he joined us on the vaqueros hotline Charlie how are you
1: good morning guys I'm doing great how are y'all doing doing fantastic Charlie hey listen you
2: you've lived at Onion Creek since you were a kid you moved from California there and you know gosh you move in and all of a sudden here comes some of the greatest golfers of all time playing golf in your backyard uh, for folks who don't know the history of it uh, what why why was it why was the legend of golf such a game changer not just for Austin golf but for the the game of golf.
0: Well, you know, first of all, it was such a privilege to be dropped in kind of out of the sky into this paradise called Onion Creek, where my father wanted to retire after serving in the Air Force. And then, then you have the, the fact that they had established this, what was kind of like an amped-up exhibition golf tournament among the golf seniors at the time who still could play but didn't really have a place to go. And uh, they pulled a little bit of TV in on that with NBC Sports. And, um, got the community rallied around having this event in 1978. They threw a tournament. The spectators could get up close. Um, the, the neighbors in the, in the community of Onion Creek and South Austin could all come out and just walk side by side with the players. It was just a a wonderful kind of old fashioned golf tournament, hearkening back to the days of the 30s and 20s and 40s. And, and then they had a great, competition on top of that you know you had guys like sam sneed uh rolling in birdies from all over the place you had julius boros rolling in birdies from all over the place next thing you know everyone was saying hey these guys are really good maybe we got something going here
2: and it certainly uh, took off. It was in Austin for 10 or 11 more years at the Onion Creek Club and just gained in popularity. You told me the story, Charlie. You know, you caddied. Uh, you ended up, as, a, as you were a member, a mem- you know, son of a member, you got to the opportunity to be a junior caddy and be a part of that down on the driving range and carrying bags through practice rounds in the actual tournament. And um, the, the year that Arnold Palmer, the great Arnold Palmer, showed up with his army, that, that was a, a memory.
0: Arnie showed up and he was a rock star. I mean, Jack Nicholas is the, you know, at that time was the greatest of all time. And, but Arnie shows up and he's like the Beatles all in one person. I mean, it's, it's, it's Peter, John, Paul, and Ringo all in one guy. And we're coming off the ninth green, uh, in a practice round and he comes walking down the hill and you just see this literal army of people just following him. And he's got his pressed, popped collared shirt just beautiful and he's walking down he's hitching his pants and he's looking around and smiling at everybody he walks down onto the 10th tee and he's ready to play a game of golf with uh, john brody the broadcaster from nbc and we're the group that comes up and he needs to play with somebody and so boom next thing you know i'm going from about 20 people walking along all by ourselves in the practice round and there we are playing in a group with Arnold Palmer for the next nine holes, and it was a
2: $20 Nassau.
1: <laughs> wow.
2: $20 Nassau. And,
1: uh, and Charlie, the beauty, the beauty of Onion Creek, I mean, as, as you said, it just, they just placed a beautiful golf course right into Mother Nature, and it, it is, it's, it's really special and the way it's laid out. And it must have been a, a really nice layout for the seniors at that time too because, as you said, they were still pretty good, sure. and the layout's just perfect for them.
0: Absolutely, Bucky. That, that course, you know, requires a lot of thought and a lot of maneuvering of the golf ball mm-hmm. back then and to this day. So you didn't have to bomb it, uh, and then, you know, and then gouge a, a wedge up there like a lot of courses are, are built today to accommodate the equipment. Back then, you know, you, it was still a lot of balls and persimmon woods and, you know, you know, and, and, and irons that you had to hit perfect in the square uh, in the center of the club that required, you know, perfection. You had to have a lot of game. And I mean, short game, you had to have medium game, You had long game for someone young like me, caddying wasn't just a matter of putting a, a bag on my shoulder and getting around the golf course and helping a guy manage his way through the tournament. It was also about learning how to play golf. And those guys taught me how to play golf more than anybody probably in my entire
2: life. Had to have been. And as we learned last week, we talked to Omar Uresti, of course, the the local pro and uh, former Longhorn and our our golf pro on our tour of golf courses. And uh, he was a youngster out there, too, at the same time. But he told – I didn't know this. We we visited last week, uh, Charlie – the, this was the large when when this thing really got cranking up. It was the largest person golf. I mean, these guys were not just playing for fun and for the fans. They were playing for a big bag of money, uh, bigger than anything you could make right there. And so it got really competitive. They had they had teams of two, right? It was so it was two two man best ball for three rounds. So Friday through yeah. Sunday, and the purse on Sunday was was big time for these guys. Uh, this this is this is really what, what changed the game.
0: This was a real money event, and those guys came out here, not just to compete, but, and, and enjoy each other's company as they had for many years out on the tour. They really wanted to win. And, uh, th- there was much, you know, there was tens of thousands of dollars and hundreds of thousands of dollars at stake. Um, and so depending on where you landed in your placing, you know, you've made enough money to help you, you know, live for the year at that point in time. Cause again, these guys are in the sunset stage of their professional golf journeys and, they, they didn't have much other than going back to finding a club pro job somewhere or working for a club manufacturer or doing appearances and exhibitions, things like that. They had to hustle. And so this was the beginning of something entirely new. And I don't think it, at its conception, at, at its beginning they had any idea what it could be. It took a couple of years for them to gather around at the table again, ironically back at Onion Creek, and, and develop a senior tour board that actually created a senior tour and several senior tour events that would create what it is now, uh, the Champions Tour.
1: You know, Charlie, we have such an incredible area when it comes to golf. I mean, it's it's sad to see the match play disappear from ACC. I was at Onion Creek when the women played LPGA there. I went every year to see the ladies play. It was fantastic. And when the seniors moved over to the hills of Lakeway, I couldn't, I couldn't stop following Nick Price around <laughs> during that time. I watched that guy play. I thought he was mm-hmm. just – I thought he was just amazing, and now it's kind of I don't know I don't I don't know if it's the privacy of the courses. I know you just there's it, not you can't just jump out on a muni and have a PGA event, but there's got to be a way to over the next couple of years to find that place and that that plot of land. And I know it's hard because those, these little plots of land around this place are very expensive, but to house a, a PGA event, the PGA isn't going anywhere. I mean even with live golf this thing is only going to get stronger in all kinds of ways and i think austin texas is is the place because austin place is not just a destination place in america to play golf it's it's in in the world these these are some of the most beautiful golf courses in the world people talk about when, even when they're going to hilton head and when they're when they're heading out to some of these other courses they talk about the courses in austin
0: so right bucky the the fact of the matter is, is golf in Austin has always been really, right. really good. We've had we've had really good players grow up in this area, people who've gone on and, and, and played professionally like Ben Crenshaw and Tom Kite, Omar Uresti, many others in this area, West Short. Um, and, you, and you've also had other people who've been influenced by the game, even out at Onion Creek, who've maybe gone into golf in another way. Omar Uresti's brother, Rusty, is a professional caddy on the senior tour right now. There was another youngster, even younger than I was when I was caddy in Onion Creek, by the name of Ed Grace. He played golf at Lamar and went on to caddy on the pro tour. There's just, it's, there's, the influence of golf in Austin is huge. And we really, the, a professional signature event like the Dell Match Play helped keep that continuity together of golf being in, in a major sport in this market. We don't have, other than University of Texas, you know, sports. We don't have much, and and soccer. We don't have much in the way of professional sports, if you will, here in the Austin area. And I think golf is such a great, great piece to what we are in our personality and our DNA in Austin. Golf is good in Austin, Texas, and we just need to figure out ways to keep it front and center. Yep. I'm confident that if we get the right people together, we can do that.
2: Well, we're going to work on that, Charlie. And thanks for your help. It's Charlie Wilson, Callahan's General Store, and caddy at the Legends of Golf, which became the Champions Tour and uh, the history of Austin golf we're telling through the uh, the tour of these courses. Uh, maybe no course in Austin with greater history than Onion Creek because of the Legends of Golf, because of Arnold Palmer. Heck, we told you the story last week that Ben Crenshaw – uh, you just mentioned him, Charlie, when he won his first masters in 1984, was playing out of Onion Creek. That's where he uh, practiced and played and uh, won his masters. Of course, we uh, won another one in 1994 with Harvey Penick, a year the week he passed away. Heck, uh, Coach Royal. Coach Royal used to live on the, uh, the original number 12 hole uh, out there on Onion Creek, looking mm-hmm. over the green uh, back in the day. He and Willie Nelson spent plenty, plenty of time out there at Onion Creek, Charlie.
0: Yes. You know, this place was such an attractive place for, you know, people who wanted to play golf and who just wanted to be around people who who play golf, you know, all ranges of Austin, all ranges of Texas, all ranges of the country. When we had the pro-ams at the legends of golf tournament in the early days of Indy Creek, it was a true blue celebrity pro-am, Bob Hope, Daryl Royal, Willie Nelson, Jerry Jeff Walker, all these guys had come out and play. And, you know, it was just, they'd walk right up next to you arm in arm. They were celebrities and, you know, walking arm in arm with the nobodies, if you will, um, it's it's just typical Austin, and I think that spirit of Austin we can't lose that. Um, and not that you have to live in a good old day syndrome, but uh, as good as golf is in Austin, Texas. I think we just need to figure out how to a, a yep. way to keep it going.
2: I think we agree on that, and we will certainly do our part. I know you will, too. Thank you, Charlie. Appreciate Charlie. the uh, walk down memory lane and the visit as we launch. Uh, we did it last week with Omar, but uh, continue the, the conversation of Onion Creek as our course of the month on the tour of Central Texas Golf. You can go to our website at hornfm.com, and just the top of the page, there's a golf tour of Central Texas link. Click on it. You can watch our video with uh, myself and Charlie and Omar last week out at Onion Creek telling the story, and all the courses are there. Thank you so much, Charlie, for the visit and all the support.
1: Thank you, Charlie. Thank
2: you. Love it, guys. Take care. All right, there you go.
1: Yeah, I was an old shag boy back in the day in North Carolina when I was in fifth and sixth grade. I had a shag bag, and that was before, you know, obviously they didn't have the – the ball getters are when they'd go out there and pick them up and you could take yeah. a shot at. So you had to go out there as a kid. And pick up the balls. And pick up the balls. And the guys would hit balls, and that's how you brought your baseball glove out there. E. And that's, how you, that's how you learned how to catch take, pop-ups. Oh, catch pop-ups. You used to chase those bad boys oh, down. Oh, man, that is awesome. I, shag love that. Boy. I was a shag boy for my dad and a couple other old golfers out there. I had the big shag bag, you know, in fifth and sixth grade. That's I'd put good. that bag down there, put my little baseball cap on in my baseball club and get fly balls. Well,
2: hornfm.com, you can see all the courses and certainly our latest that's dropped this week on Onion Creek. And I hope you're enjoying and following along with our tour of Texas golf to learn the history of golf in Austin and throughout Central Texas. And uh, next month, Buck, we're going to be at your place, out at the hyatt Lost Pines.
1: hyatt Lost Pines. It's a younger
2: course, but it's got some great history, and we chose it for May because it is the home of the Mullet Open.
1: Home of the mullet Over. There, go. Open, there baby. we
2: go. Uh, but get out there, learn about Onion Creek and the history of it, and uh, we appreciate Charlie. We'll come back when we do. Ty will lead us through some Hot or topics. We'll dive back and drive back into the football conversation of the morning. It's B&E with you on a Wednesday. Well, we talked about these two crashes up along I-35, one in uh, the Brown Rock area near 1431, another one in Pflugerville near Grand Avenue Parkway. Now, the good news is the one near 1431 is clearing. We just have residuals added to the usual delay. Still a little slow coming from Georgetown to 1431. But south of there, it's still solid. Again, the crash, uh, which blocked the lane for a longer period of time uh, at the Grand Avenue Parkway, is still off on the shoulder, so it's still a tight squeeze through there. That's the reason why traffic's still slow. A lot of folks are taking toll 130 as an alternate route, which is probably a good idea for you. Other than that, uh, we're just noting uh, the routine delays around town and uh, the volume is beginning to pick up just about everywhere. I'm Don Miller, and that's your track. What's hot? And what's not? All right, hot, not on a beautiful, well, not beautiful. We're going to be cloud cover today. Rainy, potentially. Windy tonight but it's a Wednesday so we're going to get you up over the hump. We got NBA playoffs. Are you hot or not on Draymond Green one game suspension from the league. Joe Dumars confirmed that uh, yeah his past behavior led to this. He this was a one-time thing. Probably wouldn't have been suspended, but you got to consider who it was and how many times he's been crossed with the NBA. He will not play in game 3. Golden State the defending champs already down 0-2 in that series. Also on the not hot side, the Higher-seeded Memphis Grizzlies and, of course, the one seed Milwaukee Bucks playing tonight at home in Game 2s and questionable for both of their superstars. Ja Morant with a hand injury, Giannis Attentacumpo doubtful with a back bruise when they play the Heat tonight. Lakers will be in Memphis, so the NBA uh, taking center stage here as well. Also on the not-hot side, Buck, the uh, Texas A&M Fighting Aggies had a cornerback named Bobby Taylor enter the transfer portal yesterday. That is their 30th.
1: We're all the way to 30
2: now? 30 players.
1: How can you give out the SPs at of, your spring game when all your guys are
2: they didn't give out ESPYs. they gave out spring awards.
1: Oh, spring awards. The spring espies.
2: Um, that's that's a big number of players oh, yeah. to enter and potentially transfer, right? Thirty? Thirty. Come on, Jimbo. What are we doing? What are we doing? Uh by the way, there is a big time recruit into the transfer portal on the defensive side of the ball. We know the Longhorns added this kid Trill Carter, this young man Trill Carter. Um, did you see that? uh, There's a we talked earlier about USC being the favorite in the Pac-12. Washington, really yeah, well, good team. course, Let's not the, forget about that group. Yeah, they lost. They beat Texas in the Alamo Bowl. Quarterback bring the comes quarterback, quarterback back, back for another year, for and uh, Michael Penix. But uh, their best, best pass rusher, former five star kid, entered the portal yesterday from Washington, which is weird. It seems like that team is built to be the only team to challenge USC out west. Maybe Oregon. But uh, he's into the portal now. We'll get you some details hmm. on that. And speaking of the portal, Texas basketball had uh, Virginia transfer big man Caden Shedrick in on Monday and Tuesday. 6'10 and a half, 2.30, can shoot it. He's going to be moving in. Texas feels like they feel they're feel they in a pretty good place with him. Uh, they feel like they're going to get Dylan DeSue back on their front line to go with this guy, to go with uh, and you know Ron Holland, the five-star commitment out of Duncanville on that front line. They I think Texas feels pretty confident Tyrese Hunter will be back. But uh, Caden Shedrick is one of the centerpieces of uh, what Rodney Terry hopes to build for 2023 and 24. TY, what'd you have for us in Hot or Not this morning, my friend? Tamar Hamlin. He's back. He's cleared to play by three separate doctors. So a, he, he had a well, that's press good conference good for yesterday, him. said he's going he's gonna to give it a go this year. I heard, good a, lot for of, him. I heard a lot of people. It's an unbelievable story. You couldn't report better news after what we saw in that Monday night football game, the horrors of that. Remember in the in the aftermath of that buck, we talked to a cardiac doctor who said, you know, blunt force, and that's what the the medical, the doctors confirmed ca- happened, right? right? that that helmet to his chest at the exact wrong time, fluttered his heart,
1: And, yeah, led and the to chance the cardiac. of that happening again,
2: yeah, the odds are microscopic of it happening. So he's
1: been given a clean bill of health, and he's going to keep playing. Well, yeah, if the doctors say you're okay, I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to. Boo-hoo it and say you should never play again that's up to you that's your yeah that's your gig yeah um he's 24 years old he was a rising player
2: and you know that was a i don't say fluke but it was a, a one one it, you know, the, the odds of that happening again are very very low so damar Hamlin coming back i'm very hot on that it's being on the horn